sorry I don't love you A phrase I've grown accustomed to Cause with you if something isn't wrong Something isn't wrong Something isn't right Hey everyone, welcome to Geekdom is back this week, as is Becky Kovach, and we are actually going to be talking about American Gods again, but in a different light because season one aired on Stars recently, and for those of you who don't have Stars, I would just recommend checking out their one week free trial and then seeing how much you can possibly watch. That's how Becky and I both watch this, and it worked out pretty well, but Becky, how are you doing today, tonight? We're recording pretty late here. <laughs> I'm doing well. How are you? Pretty good. I think I can say this might be the latest I've recorded a podcast. And considering it's three hours later for you, that's saying something. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. I don't sleep anyway, so this works out great. Awesome. Well, we are going to just dive right in here. I think one of the first things we should definitely talk about is the casting for this show, because... I had heard about, you know, some of the cast members before, but not necessarily the main two in Shadow Moon and Laura Moon, who are played by Ricky Whittle and Emily Browning. Yes. It's like they vaguely looked familiar, but I hadn't really seen anything they were in unless they appeared in stuff here or there. Well, Emily Browning was Violet in a series of unfortunate events movie that had Jim Carrey in it. Okay. but that was the only thing that I really re- recognized her from. But it's a very different, um, it's a it's a very different way to see her from a series of unfortunate events compared to American Gods. Yeah, and Mr. Wednesday is played by Ian McShane, who has he's been around for quite a while, so he's definitely more of a familiar face. And then. For me, Mad Sweeney played by Pablo Schreiber because I watch Orange is the New Black. You know, I was like, oh, hey, it's porn stash (laughs) and everything (laughs) like that. So that was like one of the big connections for me. And I think they really did a nice job casting those four characters specifically, not just those four characters in total, but I think they really sort of picked people who could play those roles really well. Yeah, I thought the casting was incredibly well done. And I think Mad Sweeney was actually one of my favorite characters of the show. Yes. Um, which says a lot about how good the casting is because he's not even that huge of a character in the book itself. Right. They give him a lot more in the show. Yeah. And he's sort of just like a pest the entire time. And it's yes. just so entertaining to watch him play that sort of role. Yeah, absolutely. But one of my favorite casting choices is Jillian Anderson as media. And in this, she shows up as, you know, David Bowie and, you know, Lucille Ball and everything like that. And it's just so entertaining how they used her character because she could basically be anyone. And they even dressed her up as Marilyn Monroe. And I couldn't tell if in the Easter episode, she was dressed as someone specific because it wasn't quite as obvious as those first three. But she only shows up in half of the episodes. And it's still, you know, such a big moment when she shows up in each one. Yeah. And it just kind of shows how incredibly versatile she is as an actress, because she she's able to take on these different iconic roles. Yeah, and they definitely nailed the look for each time she showed up. I was like, oh, wow. Like, 
I'm almost sold that that is Lucille Ball, (laughs) you know, and everything like that. And I don't know what you particularly know her from, but I had watched The Fall, which was a series that's on Netflix and Hannibal. So she sort of had these completely different roles. Like in Hannibal, she was a psychiatrist. And in The Fall, she was a detective. It was overseas, though, in like England. So I don't Mm -hmm. know what their title is necessarily. She wasn't like detective, so to speak, but it was that sort of role that she played. Yeah. To be honest, I, I don't know that I've actually watched a whole lot with her in it. I know she was really big in the X-Files. Yes. Um, but that's that's one of those shows that's like on my list that I just haven't gotten to yet. But yeah, she I, I think that they did a really great job of choosing her to be media. Yeah. And I think the design for everything that she was in and everything costume-wise really made it just that much better because they did such a great job of putting her in these, you know, different costumes and having her portray these different people. And it's like, even though she was portraying a man when she was dressed up as David Bowie, you didn't really feel that way about the character. It was just like, this totally makes sense for some strange reason. (laughs) Yeah. No, it worked out really well. Um, When it comes to the book, it, that's kind of exactly how I pictured media as a character. Um, so I, I think that they did a really great job of translating that to the show. Yeah. And then you have these guest appearances by actors that are fairly well known, and they're only in it for a single episode. Like you have Dane Cook as Robbie, you have Kristen Chenoweth as Easter, and Corbin Burnson is Vulcan when they mm-hmm. travel to sort of that weird gun-toting city that's sort of all too realistic in, in some aspects of today. Oh my god, yeah. It, it's a little too close to home at this point. Yeah, but I think they really nailed even those characters on that smaller level. And, you know, you texted me when we were both watching this during the free trial and you were like I didn't even know Dane Cook was in this I had no idea and then he just showed up on my screen and as somebody who grew up a fan of his stand-up this was a very different thing to see him doing um because it's so far from stand-up comedy that is just not something I ever pictured him in Yeah, and his character isn't even, you know, meant to be a funny guy or anything like that, that you would typically expect when a comedian makes that move over to acting or something like that. And I had like a double CD of some of his stand up comedy, Mm -hmm. which is very strange for me because I'm really not into comedy all that much. But for whatever reason, I had this double CD Dane Cook release. And I don't even know what it is anymore. It's probably sitting on a shelf somewhere that is not in my room (laughs) because all the CDs have been moved out of here so I can make room for things like books. (laughs) Yeah, but I'm the same way. And I think it was our first American Gods episode when we talked about the book where I actually ended up quoting uh, a Dane Cook skit. Yeah, I think you did. (laughs) So it just, it was very weird to all of a sudden see Dane Cook in American Gods, the show. Yeah, and Kristen Chenoweth as Easter just felt so perfect too, because she was, you know, sort of just like this little cheery lady. And then Mr. Wednesday comes along and sort of ruins everything. And then, you know, it's this big to do and she's in this big fancy house and it's just, you know, 
it's a really overdone scene, but if you've seen some of the things she's done in the past, it sort of really makes sense with what she's done. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I think that, again, this goes back to the casting just being so well thought out and they just, they really seem to nail each and every character, even the ones that you don't think about as being main characters or, you know, the super important characters. They paid so much attention to who they were picking for each role that it just all worked together really well. Yeah. And we haven't even touched on like half of the cast. (laughs) You know, there's a lot of people in these eight episodes and, you know, judging from the IMDb page, it looks like there is a season two already announced for next year, but they don't have, you know, like any information like episode titles or anything like that up yet. So it seems like things are still pretty under wraps for that. But why don't we go ahead and talk about the story and the writing of the show sort of on a broad aspect? Because if we like broke down each and every episode, we might be here for a while because it seems like a lot tends to happen in each episode, even though they don't move too far into the book. Yeah, they only make it about a third of the way through, I think, Um, which is kind of cool because it means that they can keep going with this show for a while if they want to, especially in exploring all of those smaller characters' backgrounds and stuff like they, they did with Mad Sweeney. Yeah, and I think with the first episode, what they did really well were some of the introductions to the characters. And, you know, like you just mentioned, Matt Sweeney, he had a great introduction, if you ask me. And even, you know, Mr. Wednesday's introduction and a character we haven't mentioned yet, which I hope I'm pronouncing this right, but I think it's Bilquis. 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 Okay. I think. And, you know, she has quite the intense introduction there. And her character is one where she doesn't really tie into what is going on with, you know, Shadow and Mr. Wednesday. But I think that's something that down the line is going to really play a bigger role probably in season two or something like that, because she seems to have her own little storyline going throughout. And it never really feels like it's too out of place because, well, one, the show is so weird in general that I think, you know, having this other offshoot of the main storyline doesn't seem too out of place. Yeah, um, they they really don't bring her into the main storyline just yet, but they kind of touch on how she's going to be involved later on um, when they have, uh, t- I, I want to call him technology. I think the IMDb, IMDb page has enlisted as technical boy, but um, yeah, yeah. technology is basically trying to recruit her for the new God's side. Yeah, I think, like you said, that's definitely something that's going to play out because technical boy or technology whichever you want to call him he has a small role but he's still in every single episode he's just not in it a huge chunk like mr wednesday or shadow or even laura so you know he's probably going to tie together quite a few things in the upcoming season is my bet yeah he, yeah, he he's kind of the epitome of that new god side of things. Um, he's just he's a very interesting character. I couldn't tell if I loved him or if I really hated him. <laughs> yeah, because he was sort of a pest like Mad Sweeney, but in a much more annoying way, I guess you could say, because he was sort of feeling entitled. Whereas yeah. Mad Sweeney, he had some sort of agenda. 
this guy is just like, you know, well, I'm this person. And, you know, if you don't do what I say, then blah, blah, blah. And, you know, he just wants everything to go his way. Whereas I felt like Mad Sweeney had a lot more backstory to his character and everything. And we saw that, I think, later on in the season when they have, you know, flashbacks to him sort of in an, in jail next to Laura, who wasn't Laura at the time. It's it's all a little confusing because she played like two different characters. <laughs> yeah, I think entitled is a really good word for it, though. And I think that's probably why I found him the most annoying. It was just his, his whole attitude and his whole idea that the old gods are dead and should just kind of accept it and move on. I don't know. He's just... I. I wish I had read the book more recently because I, I know that there's more to this war between the gods that I just can't really remember at the moment. Right. Yeah. And I read the book so long ago, too, that I think even when we did the podcast on it, we sort of more broadly talked about it because we both were like, that's a pretty big book to go back and read. <laughs> and, yeah. You know, it would take us a while. But I think, you know, this starts to bring back quite a bit from the book. And I think they do a fairly good job following it. I did find myself pretty annoyed with Laura for quite a bit of the season, though. I was like, can she just go away at some point? And it had nothing to do with not liking the actress or anything like that. But it was just like, they sort of made her character a little more annoying than I think I would have liked. And, you know, I honestly feel like that might be my only real criticism of the show is, you know, how much I felt like she was just trying a little too hard to, you know, like not be dead, I guess. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I also just can't stand the way she calls him puppy. And I know that that's how it is in the book. And that's just like what it is. Yeah. But the number of times that she just called him puppy in the brief amount of time that she was actually in the show. It just got very annoying. Yeah, and it was almost creepy at times because it felt like she was trying to sound like a small child. And she was, you know, the actress is pretty small herself in comparison to the guy who plays Shadow because he's like a pretty large dude. Yeah, it, it just, it's kind of like when you see one of those couples on the street where like, dude's really tall and the girl's really tiny and it just looks like she's being kidnapped. <laughs> so like Shaq and everyone else in the world. <laughs> yes, exactly. I don't know. Yeah, I just I agree with you. I think she was way more annoying than she should have been. Yeah. And like I said, that's sort of my only main critique of the show, because I do think that the actress was a good fit. I just think the way they wrote her could have been done a little differently and maybe they didn't have to like take on that puppy thing quite as much as they did even though like you said it's in the book they could have just toned it down a little bit it it was just too much yeah and another thing I definitely wanted to ask you about was in episode two to start the episode you know they were in on like the boat scene and everything and it looked like there were a ton of slaves in there did you catch the Mr. Nancy reference? Um, yes. Yeah. Okay, so... Sorry. (laughs) It's fine. I'm, like, thinking back to the episode. Yeah, and I had read Anansi Boys right around the time, either just before or just after we had started watching this, and I was like, oh my god, what if this is the same one? And I think it's the same guy, (laughs) you know? So all of these things were, like, 
running around in my head because while it's a Nancy boys and it's you know spelled differently it's Mr. Nancy in that book as well so it'll be interesting to see how they sort of keep giving us these little easter eggs or if they do even yeah no it's definitely the same character um i think Mr. Nancy is just his way of kind of modernizing a little bit and and keeping up with the times and i one of the things that i thought was really cool about the show was how they did tie in all of these older religions and older belief systems and the way that they portrayed them in the show. Those are things that I'm not entirely familiar with. So it was a little surprising to me that I even enjoyed the book for this as much as I did. But I feel like they're doing it in a way where it doesn't feel like, you know, it's essentially a you know christian religion and that specific god show it's like this broader aspect of it and it's definitely a lot more modernized and like the new gods versus the old gods sort of really makes sense yeah this book is the first time that i ever really thought of what it means to be a god and the idea that people kind of do worship technology and media and to like today it was just it was a very new way for me to think about it yeah definitely and i think another thing they did really well was even though the story really focused on what mr wednesday had planned and you know him taking shadow along basically as his driver and sometimes the muscle i guess you could say cuz you know like i said earlier he's sort of this big guy and he's even you know, significantly taller than Mr. Wednesday. Yeah, he's huge. Yeah, so what do you think of all these side characters they introduced, like Salim, who ends up becoming the, what did you call it, the djinn or something like that? The djinn, yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like a genie, but not quite. Right, and then you have like the Zoria sisters. I'm probably butchering most of these names of people on things. Because some of these words are just like, that spelling makes no sense. (laughs) But, you know, you have the two sisters that Mr. Wednesday goes to visit. And then you have Anubis and Mrs. Fadil. Yes. And you sort of get glimpses of these other gods and these other people that might not directly link to Mr. Wednesday this season but you can definitely see they're building something there so what do you think of you know these little side stories other than Bilquis that they're building up well I just I feel like they're kind of creating more of a backstory for all of these smaller characters that kind of play a role in the bigger war because I know that in the book if I'm remembering correctly there is some big meeting of the old gods um, where they discuss how to kind of move forward and um, handle the coming conflict with the new gods. So it's just, it's kind of cool to see them actually giving a voice to some of these more minor characters that were only kind of mentioned in passing in the book. Yeah, definitely. And I just want to note to everyone who cannot see this Google Doc right now that clearly the way I take notes does not always work for trying to remember things later because under episode five, I literally just have in caps, what is this opening? And I have no clue what the opening was anymore. (laughs) 
So clearly it was something that I was very confused by when it happened. And now I have zero clue as to what actually happened there. I want to say that was um, the like the the puppet opening almost like that. It was um, an animated opening of one of the old gods um, and their story and how the belief in that God kind of died out. Oh my God. I'm trying to remember which God it was. I think I do remember what you're talking about. And that would definitely make me type that response in my notes. <laughs> so I think <laughs> you're definitely on the right track there. Nanyunini was the God. Okay. So it, that that was either episode five or episode six, because then in episode six, I just put another weird opening. So I am not great at taking notes, even though my notes are pretty detailed other than that. So <laughs> sometimes I just get like too involved with the show and I just like type things that make zero sense later. I'm sure plenty of people have done this with certain things. Oh, God, you should see the notes that I take when I'm working on an album review. Um, yeah. But yeah. <laughs> Nanyunini, so episode five, the intro was that animated opening um, about the tribe crossing from Siberia, um, and they bring this mammoth skull with them, and that's their god, is this skull. Okay, yeah, that is definitely what I was talking about, clearly. So <laughs> I think it was just, it probably just threw me a lot that they put animation into the show because I don't think that was something I was expecting. But no. then it sort of keeps you on your toes the entire time too. It's like you can never let up on paying attention to the details of the show. And, you know, since I was taking notes during it, I wasn't doing nearly as much multitasking as I normally do when I'm watching TV, which was probably for the best because otherwise, you know, this episode might have been a nightmare if I had been doing a bunch of other things while watching this. And I do want to note that by the end of this season, Mr. Wednesday reveals himself as Odin, which is, you know, sort of one of the biggest old gods there is around, basically. And it's just really interesting that they keep that in all the way until the end. And then it's sort of this big reveal but really it seems like it's only a big reveal to shadow i guess yeah it's the kind of thing where you get the sense that that's where it's leading to um throughout the series and everybody else knows who he is it's really just shadow who has no clue at at all but um it, it's the same way in the book too where they kind of drop hints all along and then eventually come out and actually say that this is who it is Right. And I know we mentioned this a little earlier about the actress who plays Laura also playing another character, and that character's name is Essie. What do you think about them having her play two separate characters that lived in sort of these two completely different times? Because I couldn't tell if they were trying to get at that, the, hey, this is the same person. But then it's like, okay, well, clearly she did die and came back to life. So it doesn't seem like she would be quite the same person. Yeah, it was a little bit confusing. I wasn't quite so sure what they were trying to do with that either. Because that's something I don't really remember from the book. I don't know if I re remember 
that sort of flashback. I knew they had the flashbacks with, you know, Shadow and Laura and him sort of remembering back to the life they had when he thought she was still dead and everything like that. But this, I was just like a little confused. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm trying to think like what really was the purpose behind having her play both roles. But it, it just, there's some stuff that I was reading online that says it's supposed to be kind of a parallel to Laura Moon's journey. Okay. But I, I don't know that I really see it as a parallel. Yeah, the only real connection that I noticed there was the one with Matt Sweeney because he was in the same jail as Essie. And then he shows up in Shadow's life sort of all of a sudden after she quote unquote dies. So I think, you know, that's sort of the main connection, and I want to see if that's something they're sort of going to revisit again, or if they think they wrap that all up with this season. Yeah, I I would like to see them kind of explore it more, especially I just love Mad Sweeney as a character, so if it gives more of his backstory and, and more info about him as a character, then I would be fine with that. Yeah, and this flashback sort of takes up a good chunk of episode seven and it does end with mad sweeney showing up at essie's house when she's sort of this old lady so you know from that moment that you know essie and laura can't be the exact same person too because it's like you know we saw her age and then in the present day we saw her die kind of sort of not really because why not let dead people stay dead (laughs) Yeah, it's definitely not the same person. Like I said, I'm I'm not entirely sure why they felt like they should have Emily Browning play both roles, but maybe they'll explore it a little bit more and it'll become more apparent in the second season. Um, I guess we'll have to wait and find out. Yeah, definitely. And one last character I do want to bring up is the best friend, Audrey, who is played by Betty Gilpin. And I had only seen her in appearances she made on, I want to say it was Elementary, because I am like one of the few people I know who still watches that show. I love that show. Okay, so you also watch it. So did you immediately recognize her when you started watching this? Um, no, definitely not right away. Okay, because when, when I saw her, it it's like she was someone who looked extremely familiar and it took a few minutes for it to click for me. I was like, oh, she showed up in elementary as, you know, Sherlock's kind of sort of girlfriend, but then not really, <laughs> you know, I was yeah. like, okay. And she plays a completely different role in this, but I think she does it really well because, you know, in the beginning, she's so mad because Laura was sleeping with her husband while Shadow was in jail. And she seemed to be way more emotional about it than Shadow was, at least outwardly. I mean, I know we know that Shadow was sort of like dealing with this inner turmoil and everything. And then all of a sudden, the next time we see her, it's when dead Laura walks into her house with like her arm in her hand. (laughs) Oh my God, yeah. That was a lot to take in yeah and she played that scene so perfectly too it's like um excuse me you're dead so i'm going to freak out right now (laughs) yeah i mean how else are you supposed to react to something like that 
especially when the person walks in wanting you to sew their arm back on or trying to sew their back arm back on in your house. <laughs> yeah, I, I I don't know that I would have had the composure to say anything at that point. I probably would have just run out screaming. Yeah, and that's sort of what she did at one point. She just ran into the bathroom instead of outside. <laughs> I Yeah, I thought that she was, again, Every everything was really well thought out and really well cast in this. I liked that she was way more emotional and and way more visibly torn up over the affair than Shadow was. And then she tries to sleep with him on top of Laura's grave. Yeah, yeah. And you can tell that, you know, Shadow is pissed, but he's like not at that level that she's at with it. Yeah, well, he, yeah, he's upset. But he's pretty quick to just kind of accept her coming back from the dead. And he he doesn't really turn her away, which that kind of bothered me because she died because she was having an affair with your best friend and you're just going to accept her coming back and act like everything's kind of okay. Yeah. So I think, you know, the fact that she was so annoying, at least in our eyes, too, it was just like, but why are you sort of doing this? So I think there are quite a few things they could have handled better with her character and their sort of post-death relationship, I guess you can call it. Yeah. And, you know, I think that's a fairly small price to pay for how good the show was throughout the first eight episodes. Yeah, as a whole, it was incredibly well done. So it's kind of okay to look the other way on a few smaller details. Yeah, definitely. So I know because this is on stars, it's probably hard to say if we'll watch, you know, season two as it comes out if or if we'll do what we did this time and, you know, sort of wait for those episodes to air and then go and binge watch it. I'm guessing that will probably be my plan because I don't know if there are any other star shows that I really would actively be watching to want to pay for it, you know, yeah, for months no. just to watch a single show. No, I'm the same way. So I'm going to assume that we'll end up waiting until all the episodes are out and then we could do the free trial again. Yeah, especially since we just shared a login. So only one of us, did, you know, used up an email on the free trial. <laughs> Yeah. We're cheating the system, everyone. Don't tell on us. Uh, well, <laughs> let them come after us. It's fine. I, I think, you know, stars might have bigger things to worry about than you and I and our free trials. So I think we'll be okay. Yeah, at least we're not leaking episodes of unaired shows online. True. Very true. All right. Well, is there anything else that you want to touch on before we wrap this up? No, I feel like we kind of covered the show really well. Really, it just it all comes down to the casting and the fact that they really did a solid job of finding the right people for each role, even the smaller ones that you don't necessarily think of as being super important um, or super vital. But they just they paid really close attention to all of the details and it just it came out so well. Yeah, and I really liked how they sort of saved Kristen Chenoweth for that last episode. And it was sort of this really big, grand episode that they did. And 
even though there's still obviously a lot of questions that need to be answered, I felt like it did wrap up fairly nicely for a first season. Yeah. And there's so much more that they can do with the next season. I can't wait to see where they take it. Yeah. Especially since you have, you know, all of these characters sort of going in different directions, but in the end, they're sort of probably going to end up either trying to accomplish similar things or they'll possibly even end up all in the same place. Yeah. I also, I I liked how they kind of snuck in all of the tree references, um, which I don't think we've talked about yet, but just as a quick note, um, I know that plays a bigger role later on. So it was kind of cool that they're already planning that far ahead. Yeah, and there was a Godfather reference in the final episode as well, so I'm sure plenty of people enjoyed that too. Even though it's not, you know, crucial to the story or anything, it's always fun to just get these little tidbits in with the writing and everything. So I'm not gonna lie, I've never seen the Godfather, so I, I haven't either missed that one. But I think I got the reference somehow. <laughs> wow. Okay. Because I, I I put you know I put it in my notes, so clearly I got it. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I definitely missed it. Um, so kudos on picking it. It could have literally just been them mentioning The Godfather specifically, not like a line from it or something. So maybe that's why I caught it. Oh, maybe. It's on my list of things to watch, though. So don't you all worry. I will get to it. I am a baby. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pass. <laughs> it's too intense for me. See, Substream is kindly letting me embarrass myself and write about all these fantastic movies and, you know, highly acclaimed movies that I have not seen and just sort of be like, hey, look at what movie I haven't seen still. I I think that's great, though. There are so many movies that are just these classics that everybody is supposedly seen that I've never seen. Yeah, that that's basically me too, because the last post I did for them, or the most recent one, I should say, is one on Raiders of the Lost Ark. And it's like, people are like, how have you not seen Indiana Jones? I was like, I don't really know, but I know part of it because of the ride at Disneyland. So <laughs> there's that. Um, I will say I have seen Indiana Jones. So okay. You are slightly less embarrassing than I am this episode, so... <laughs> All right. Well, I think that wraps it up. You know, we kept this fairly short and hopefully concise. Hopefully we didn't get too off track for all of you, but I think we can definitely plan to be back for season two. Hopefully, Becky, you will be back on before then to talk about something completely unrelated. So I know you and I have discussed a few other topics, but thank you again for coming on to talk about American Gods. Yeah, of course. Thank you for accommodating the super late recording time. Not a problem at all. (laughs) It actually wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. I thought I was going to be like super tired, but turns out once I get talking about things, wakes me up a little. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I know it is quite late for you, so I will let you go. And to the listeners, as always, thank you guys for listening, and we hope you enjoy the rest of your day.